Revolution.org podcast episode 586. How to get better at bench press, deadlift, and squat. So this is a really important one. Not a lot of podcasts out there even talk about weight training and giving you tips on that or nutrition. You know, they like to just sit around and talk about stuff that really has nothing to do with fitness, you know, because they got nothing else to talk about, I guess. Or they'll talk about steroids or talk about all this other stuff. But when you're using anabolic steroids, as we talk about on this podcast a lot, you know, pretty much every episode we talk about anabolic steroids, obviously you've got to also weight train. You've got to put the, the hours in the gym. You got to build that consistency and that conditioning and that stress of the muscle, all right, to get the muscle to get stronger, to get the muscle to grow. And that's what bodybuilding is all about. We're holding more muscle than normal people out there. Why? Because we hit the gym and we train our body to need more muscle on our frame. So very, very important on the flip side too, to not overtrain and not train incorrectly and not to use bad form, which I see in the gym all the time. It drives me crazy, but really I keep my mouth shut. It's not my place, but I see a lot of bad form officer on the bench yeah. press. I yeah. see bad form on the deadlift. I see bad form. On the squat. I've been guilty of it, Steve. I've done it myself. Well, it's complicated with one. me because not only did I used to compete at these lifts, not the deadlift, we used to do cleans, clean and jerks, but also I used to do judging. So I, you know, obviously you would get a strike if you did not, let's say you're doing the bench press and you lifted your butt off the bench, then you'd be scratched. That lift wouldn't count, for example. Or you lifted your head off the bench, you'd be scratched. Or your feet off the ground, you'd be scratched. So obviously, it's the same thing too with clean and jerks. If the elbows touch the knees, you're scratched. So there's different, if, you're, if your elbows, you know, if your arms aren't extended correctly, you're scratched on the jerk. If you double clutch it, you're scratched. So it does drive me crazy to see the lack of, you know, proper form in the gym. But I'll bring you in on this one, buddy. Let's start, you know, let's start, let's start with this one. Yeah, let, let me let me cover this thus, guys, right? You're if you're doing everything else right, if you're consistently hitting the gym, if your nutritional stuff is on point, you're eating well, if you're getting the rest that we recommend, if you're getting you're working on recovery like we talk about. Uh, how about this? If I make some suggestions today, and we're talking about the three core lifts here, benching, deadlift, and squats. There are other things we could talk about, but I'm going to just cover these three core compound lifts. Your time in the gym is a big investment. Hour, hour and a half, Steve, three, four times a week, typically. So anywhere between four and a half and six hours a week. Let's make sure that you're getting the most you possibly can out of these exercises. Now, I, as, I, as I said, this is when I interrupted Steve earlier on, I 100% fucked up when it comes to lifting, Steve. Very quickly, seated overhead press. I still do it now. And I got into this terrible habit of leading with my dominant right arm. It got so bad, Steve, that my right arm would be locked out and my left arm would only be halfway to lock out. That's how stupid that was, guys. And I literally eventually realized you're an idiot. You're hurting yourself and spent two or three weeks took some weight off the bar, went down to a sensible poundage and spent two or three weeks working on my form just so that I wasn't going to hurt myself. Literally, the, 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 the 
stress of one arm completely locked out, Stephen, one arm only halfway up and trying to lock that left arm out. It was just stupid. I was asking to get a back injury. I was asking to get a shoulder injury. So some of the tips today are going to be, as before, when we then specifically the bench press, for you to get the best out of an exercise and maybe just a variation on what you're already doing that might improve how you do that exercise. And because these are big compound core exercises, these are the ones, Steve, as we talk about, I think the euphemism in the United Kingdom is the meat and potato. These are the ones that are more likely to put meat on the bone, mass, size. Now, of course, you're a bodybuilder, and most of our listeners are. You're going to want to do strengthening exercises, changing stance, strains in hand width, etc. will emphasize different parts of the muscle. So, for example, and I'll, go, I'll jump in with the first one here, Steve. Now, we did a bench tip video, sorry, podcast. I'm going to do a different one, so slightly different. Yeah. Right, changing the angles. And I've actually done this, in, in, and this, funny enough, Steve, the information on training has been quite popular on the forums recently because most, as Steve said at the beginning, podcast doesn't do this. They talk about steroids, which we do. They talk about the lifestyle. They talk about what's going on in social media. But what they're not talking about is how to get more out of training. It's kind of boring because there is a surfeit of information, and yet somewhat bizarrely, Steve, Recent uh, threads we've had on the forums have been very popular. And it's sometimes just good to be reminded how to do these things properly because we do get into bad habits. So, for example, let's take the flat barbell bench press. Immediately, Steve, and I actually discussed this on the forums the other day, just changing the angle emphasizes the chest in a different way. Now, that ought to be obvious, but sometimes isn't, and especially if you're new to the sport. So, for example, Arthur Jones said that he thought the best angle for bench press and on the old Nautilus machines was 10 degrees. And this is equivalent to taking a flat bench and putting a block of wood six inches high under one end of the bench. Now, immediately, instead of the bottom of the pec, emphasis is shifted upwards, more towards the middle. In the modern bodybuilding, the middle of the chest is more likely to be developed than the bottom. Arnold's era would have what we call bottom-heavy pecs. Any photograph you guys can find from the 70s of Arnold doing a side chest shows you that he's got the uh, 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 kind of flat area at the top of his chest, but his great heavy bottom-heavy pecs. Now, if you take Phil Heath, say from the 90s and 2000s, Phil Heath was developed from the neck down to the bottom. It was a complete great big lump of meat, almost blocky. And that was the aesthetic that was at the time. But the aesthetic changes, of course, over time. So, Literally just changing from flat bench press to incline, low incline to high incline will change from the bottom of the pec to the middle of the pec to the top of the pec. Now, there's a thread on the forums right now when I talk about intensifiers. Switching from barbell bench press to dumbbell bench press. Dumbbell bench press is that much harder. It just is. And it's that much harder because of the instability. So, for example, Steve, uh, those two things, and then there's another one. This is for bench press again. Uh, the, the amount of people I've improved their bench press instantly, and I'm not joking when I say that. This is how stupid it is. And Steve talks about the formula you sometimes see in the gym. Newbies is, uh, would be do, do this. I can't do a proper bench press art. My uh, old man bones or lack of flexibility or whatever else, I can't keep my feet under my ass, Steve. So I don't, and, and, you know, my belly already sticks out, my power belly sticks out. I'm not, I look like I've got an arch probably when I don't. 
So I can't arch my back on a bench with powerlifting stuff. But what I have seen, this is bodybuilding as well as powerlifting, strength training, is feet. It doesn't seem to make sense. I'm working my chest, mobster. What are you talking about? You talked about pulling your hands and pushing your hands out. You talk about that little bit of string on your chest to pull up your sternum to activate the pecs more. What are you talking about the feet for? Okay, guys, normal bench press bench is only about eight, nine inches across. You're only putting your half your shoulder blades, your scapula, onto the bench, and then you're holding this enormous weight, especially if you take a standard grip, another 10 or 12 inches on either side of the bench. That's kind of unstable. So we stabilize ourselves, including for bodybuilding, with our feet. So that mean, might mean a fairly wide stance. But what I've also seen, and this is where I was able to get that instantaneous improvement, Steve, their fucking feet moving between reps. I, I've described it as dancing. It's almost like they, they're benching, and as they bench, the, the emphasis is changing, the center of gravity moves, so their feet move. And one of the tricks I'd done back in the day, just to improve, this was for strength more than bodybuilding, but it still applies, is I would stand in front of their feet and I would put my foot in front of their shoe or foot if they're doing it in socks or whatever. I would literally put my foot in front of their foot and I say, press against my feet with your feet while you're benching. Instantly more stable and instantly more able to focus on the actual pressing motion. Now, if you're bodybuilding, same stance. It doesn't matter if it's super wide or narrow or whatever. But keep your feet stable. Push back for your feet so that you're activating your quads a little bit and stabilize your upper body so you're able to emphasize, if you're a strength athlete, the power, or if you're a bodybuilder, the muscle, muscular contraction. Literally making that exercise more stable. What do you think on that before we move on to squat, Steve? So... Let me take it a little bit of an angle. I, I, you know, I was one of the best tips I ever got from, you know, when it came to getting stronger on really any lift, not just this lift, but any lift is building consistency at a lower weight. I see too many people who go in there and they try to do one, two, three rep maxes. Okay. On weights. And they're like, well, I'm just going to go in there. And, but when we talked about this, I think a couple of years ago, mobster about the, whatever it was, the cow technique or whatever. You go every day, you lift your cow, and the cow grows a little bit at a time, and you're supposed yeah, to yeah, get yeah. stronger as the cow gets bigger. You know, whatever that myth was based on. Milos of Crotania, where, where he become uh, the Greek, ancient Greek side yeah. listeners, was the idea that he would go in. This is what we call progressive overload, Steve. Yes. So the idea was he had a heifer, a young cow, and he would put the cow on his shoulders and walk up and down with it. And, of course, every day – it's not unusual for, for heifers, young cows, to gain 10, 15 pounds a day because they're getting fed the milk. And over time, he was able, quote, unquote, legendary, uh, lift a full-grown cow. So as Steve says, and I'll, I'll be guilty of this, and I've actually even covered this yeah. recently. I actually believed in that as a teenager because yeah. I said, you know what? This makes sense because I'm Every growing. You're growing. You're at 10 Big. years old, 11, 12. You're growing in weight, and you're and I'm like, wow, I'm getting stronger as I go along. So this might this actually yes. works. What happens yes. is at some point you stop growing, yeah. so that technique will not work anymore. What's going to happen one day? You're going to lift that cow, and you're going to break your back into a million pieces, and now you'll basically lose – uh, 80% of your strength in one day, and you'll have to start yeah. from the bottom and work your way back up, and then you'll break What's your the, back again. So There's two there's two things here, Steve, and I'll, I'll address both of them. One, what Steve said, 
when we're talking about consistency, what he means is, I mean, there's, there's two ways of looking at this. And consistency for me would be, I'm more likely to succeed than someone that misses a training session. I'm more likely to succeed. And we used to use this analogy when I was training the guys in Gloucester. I knew that there were strength athletes that these guys were going to compete against. So it wouldn't go to, in fact, today, it was at the gym earlier this morning, Steve, raining. There was no young guys at the gym today. Why? Because it's raining. They've literally drive to the gym, but they've not gone to the gym because it's a bit cold and wet out. Fuck it, I'll go tomorrow. Listen, go when it's wet, go when it's cold, go when it's sunny, go when it's hot. Keep fucking plugging away and keep doing the kind of training that we, we offer to you on this podcast. And if you do that and don't miss any sessions, you'll be better than the ones that miss sessions. So that's number one. Number two, and I actually use this analogy, I even did it with the guys last week and then we kind of broke the rule. So... Well, another thing Steve means when he talks about consistency, and especially at that kind of level where you're trying to get strength all the time and never lose strength, and hopefully, fingers crossed, gain strength or muscle, and that is what I call working the plan. So pretty much the little gang that I bench press with, we're all doing five sets of three reps. We're doing different poundages because we have different one rep maxes. So what should happen is that each of the three of us, myself included, should do five sets of three. So... If that happens and we're consistently doing five sets of three, Steve, with a little bit of progress every single time, whether it's another rep to get to three reps or the fifth set or adding weight to the bar, at the end of the program, we should be stronger. What happened last week is we did exactly what we're supposed to do, all three of us, and then we all went for a run rep max like morons. But in reality, we've done the work. And because if we keep doing the work at the end of eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, whatever else, we will hit our new PBs. I want to do that 200 kilo, 440 pounds at the end of February. The other fella needs to do 120 kilos and the other fella wants to do 130 kilos, which would be uh, 264 and 286 pounds. They should do that and I should do that because we've done the work. We haven't missed training sessions and we put the work in. So that is 100%. Something that Steve's touched upon, and I'll finish off on this one for bench press again, where... Steve referred to some information that he had from a buddy back in the day, an older fellow at the gym, and it's this thing of old, what I call old man strength. There is a level right now for Steve and I that we will never go below in terms of strength. I probably bench 140 till they bury me, Steve, 308 pounds till they bury me. Whereas back in the day, that would have been a big lift for me. But now it's kind of like my old man, no matter what, to the day that I die, I'm going to be able to do that. And yet there are guys that are listening to this podcast right now. Men and women listen to this podcast right now. They'll never do it. It doesn't matter. It's what you do and how good you get and being consistently able to do two plates, consistently able to do three plates to the point where four plates, when you're your best, is great. Five plates is amazing, but you'll never, ever do less than three plates. That's where I am right now because we've consistently hit the bench and put our work in and, and applied these tips to the point where that's going to be our till we die lift. Right, squats. Yeah. So let, me just squ- add, yeah, let me just add yeah, this, Mobster, because I know you have a lot to get to. We don't yeah. have a lot of time in these podcasts. So yeah. one of the notes I made with the show, on, on top of what Mobster and I just said, but there's also going to be days where your body just isn't where you want it to be. There's going to be yes. days you don't get enough sleep. Maybe you got 15 minutes less sleep or a half hour less sleep than your body needed. There's going to be days where you're dealing with infections and viruses. I've gone to the gym sometimes like, yeah. wow, what's wrong with Work, my strength stress, today? bills. You the don't. The train was late. You were stuck so, on the freeway. 
sometimes things are going on in your body that you don't know is going on that, where you're mm-hmm. going to be a little weaker. So you're not going to improve. My point is you're not going to improve in a linear Every time. No, not, no, no, But no. because just like the cow uh, example that we talked about in the yeah. last segment, you think just because you're a teenager and it seemed like every workout I got stronger. So you think mm-hmm. that once again, your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, et cetera, the same thing's going to happen. And it's just not the case. So you're not going to no. improve in a straight, it's not, it's just like the stock market. It's just like. Steve and I would be benching a thousand pounds. Up and down, up and down. It's yeah. going to be up and down. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, over time, as you get into your prime, you're going to slowly improve. But there's also going to come to the point. I already hit that point, most likely, because I have three herniated discs and I blow out my shoulder. I already hit that point where I reached my peak in strength. And I'll never be as strong as I was in my mid-30s. Now I'm in my mm-hmm. mid-40s. I'll never be as strong. Mobster, on the other hand, he's continuously improved. I can't, I can't even understand. Fashion. Yeah, I mean, let me give you a couple more analogies, guys. And I want to touch on the other things as well. So I watched a video the other day. Uh, I forget the name of the athlete. He's just benched 700 pounds. And he actually said it was weird. He's talking to the camera. His mates are doing their sets. He's doing his sets, Steve. And he says, and this has actually happened to me. Some of my best training sessions have been when I felt like shit. And I've actually used this thing before where I said, where sometimes it's like my body's holding back the power and the strength for the training session. It ain't giving me any energy to walk to the gym. It made me wake eight fucking times last night, probably because I got that pre-max lift anxiety thing going on. So ironically, the consistency thing applies here, where because I've done 100 training sessions, and there might have been three that were god-awful. And on the day that I want to do my absolute goddamn best, I've actually kind of had it in my mind for 48 hours what I'm going to do Friday, for example, when I did the 195 kilos recently, Steve. Uh, that night's sleep was shit. But it was probably shit, not because the normal reasons for it being shit, but because I was getting my mind was stuck on that 195, 200 kilos because my my the anxiety levels the anticipation and the consistency thing applies here. The other 97 good training sessions have made me strong. The, 90, the 97 good training sessions made me do the 195. That crap night's sleep prior to me doing the one rep max didn't. But the work that I put in consistently did. So there's that. Uh, let me carry on. Right. For, for, I'm going to talk about um, – yeah. so you won't always feel fantastic – on the day of a, a big lift or a competition or a PB or whatever else, because sometimes the body is saving energy for you to do that. It's not giving you, you know, you're not skipping down the garden path to your car and having a great drive to the gym and all the rest of that shit, because your mind's half on doing crazy shit later on. And there's a certain level of nervous energy, physical energy that needs to be focused on that thing. Some of my best competitions, Steve, have been done with me not feeling right but it's literally because my energy is on the thing I'm going to do. But like Steve says, if linear strength would be great. It would mean genetic freaks would be benching 2,000 and Steve and I would be benching 1,000. It doesn't happen. So it's doing the best you can in the circumstances you can with the tips that we've given you and being consistent about that and understanding that when I get to 70 years of age, I won't be benching 180, 190, 200. That's just something to get your head around. But for most of our listeners, that's not an issue. Right, squat. And I actually saw this the other day, Steve, uh, again, recently on the forum. Someone was asking about a specific kind of shoe. And I can't remember the phrase that they used, but it seemed to be as though this shoe would balance them out. 
And they were saying it was $130 for the shoes, which is not the world's worst price for sneakers, as we might call them. But would it make their squat better? And I said, if you can't afford $130, in fact, I've seen a lot worse than that, to $300 for squat shoes. And Inza, for example, makes a pair. A strength shop here in the UK makes them. And others, get yourself a proper pair of workman's boots. Now, there was very much a fashion in the bodybuilding magazines to have these half unlaced uh, caterpillar type work boots. But the reality of the situation is the, the half lace thing was just a stick. It looked good on the camera. But the work boot actually works kind of well. And in fact, that's exactly how powerlifters used to do it back in the day. Take a tight sneaker. Uh, for example, um, the, the old canvas high tops. And they would use those. But the, for squatting, in fact, the best is probably a work boot with a solid, thick heel doesn't have to be greatly elevated. You're not going out dancing. You're not a 70s glam rocker. You just want something that stabilizes you. And if you can lace that boot up tight, you shouldn't get ankle rotation from left to right. You shouldn't get too much flexation backwards and forwards. And it kind of anchors you to the ground. And it, and it won't collapse underneath you. If you've got those sports shoes, sneakers, Steve, with the gels and the air bubbles and God knows what else inside the sole, uh, the weights that I do, Steve, would rupture those shoes. You are not meant to go out and squat six or seven hundred, eight hundred pounds, even five hundred pounds in those kind of shoes. You're not. They're great for walking around and super comfortable, but they're not a training shoe. And if you look at the difference between training shoes, they would be more supportive, more stable. So a good, solid pair of boots just for squatting in. You end up with this massive kit bag of training gear, guys. But it is what it is. Squat days, get out the boots. If you're and you can actually use the the the, the high top canvas uh, cheap, they're actually very expensive now, but they used to be super cheap back in the day. These are good for deadlifting, and we will get to that in a minute. And on on squats against Steve, there's two things here. One is changing your stance. Now most bodybuilding uh, lessons on squatting will have you squatting around shoulder width. I can't fucking do that, Steve. I don't think I've ever been able to do it. The moment I got the six foot three. I needed to squat like some uh, giraffe. My legs were way out, four or five feet apart. My feet are touching the size of the parrot, which is four feet across typically. I can't do shoulder width or just past shoulder width squatting. I would fall ass over to hitting headbutt the frame, headbutt the mirror, headbutt the wall, whatever else. Or I'd only come halfway down. For me to get down, I need to go wide. Now, for powerlifting, that's great. A power squat, feet right out, is a great position. But if you can go somewhere, I mean, what we're talking about is the shoulder width is great if you've got the flexation, the ability to get into position for bodybuilding. But what if you haven't? Go out a couple of inches. Just angle your foot, move your feet, slide them out slightly, a couple of inches each side, and try again. If it's a position you get into, you can hit parallel, or even better, after the grass, and the rest of your body stays in position, you're going to get a good quad workout. Oh, another one, Steve. Guys, and I'm thinking of a few members on the forum, stop using the fucking Smith machine. It's fine. It works. But some of you, that's the only squat you're doing. Don't be afraid to work hard with pissy weights until you get to good weights and the reps on an actual barbell on your back. Dorian Yates used the Smith machine for squats because he had a hip injury and he would have his feet in front and was able to emphasize his quads more. You're not Dorian Yates. You don't, you almost certainly don't have Dorian Yates genetics. Therefore, get under a barbell 
and learn to squat. And when you've mastered the basics, you can then play around with the nuances. Yeah. So the main uh, issue, yeah. So so let me jump yeah, in here. Cool. So the main issue with the Swedish team is you're opening your knees up for injuries, you're opening your hips up for injuries, even ankles. Yeah. Because if you think about yeah. it, the bar is not moving the way it should naturally move. You're not getting the tension. So yeah. you're putting all the pressure on your joints. And it's really a bad idea. Oh, I cringe when I see people doing squats, especially if you, if you're at the wrong angle, you can literally blow out a knee or cause uh, some major structural damage. You can blow out your ACL. You can pop yeah, the out. Only way, and the only way to avoid that, good. Steve, is by using lighter weight. So, in fact, in order for you not to get injured, you're using, say, two plates when you might be you should be doing three plates aside. So that 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 makes no sense. In other words, you've lightened the load in order to use a variation of a squat. And then you still want that squat to stimulate you. That doesn't work, guys. It can't work like that. If you can do a bar, I mean, not, don't ask everybody to be world's strongest men. That's not what this podcast is about. Most of our listeners are bodybuilders. But if you can't master the squat to the point of four plates, or you've decided that you're not going to master the squat to four plates, and they're only doing two plates on the Smith machine because you've changed your emphasis, you're not going to develop world, world-class quads. You've literally got to learn to get strong in order to build a muscle on the basics. And then, like Steve said, it's no good, for example, going over to the Smith machine, sticking four plates on, putting your feet in front of the bar and doing like a weird sissy squat, hack squat variation because that's what you saw some top professional bodybuilder doing. And then, as Steve said, blowing out your knees and just doing stupid so shit. I'll give you, yeah, let me give you one quick uh, tip because I know Mobster has a lot to talk about on deadlifts. I don't want to take too much of his time. But look, on the squats, this is what I recommend to my clients. Very, very simple. Lightweight and then do front squats. Hold the bar in front of you, cross your arms, and put a bench under your butt. And then sit yep. down on that bench while you're engaged. Make sure your feet are forward. This will prevent you from cheating, and this will tr- train you and teach you how to engage your hamstrings and your glutes, which a lot of people ignore because they lean too forward or, or whatever, should actually be putting the weight on your heel. That's just common sense. Even if you go to a yoga class, the instructor in the yoga class will actually tell you that you should be putting more weight on your heel than the front. Otherwise, you're going to fall forward. But what happens is when people do squats in the gym, they do the behind-the-neck squats, and they go down and they're leaning forward, and really, when you do that, you're not engaging the muscles that you're supposed to engage when you're doing a proper squat. And you're basically opening yourself for injuries and knee problems and stuff. So it's not about going in there and throwing on a bunch of weight and trying to be a hero. It's about doing the, the lift properly. Once you learn how to do the lift properly, then you can do behind the neck squats and go from there. So that would be my tip, especially if and if you've been doing squats for years, too. Go back to this for a little bit and see, and you'll notice, oh, my God, you know, something is off with my technique. So that would be a way to correct your technique very, very easily. So get rid of of that pad, guys. I've seen buzzies do this, and I love them. You're not going to need the pad if you do do front squats. You won't need the pad in the first place, so it doesn't matter. I'm going to give you an example, Steve, right? So, for example, the back squat that Steve refers to, I can't actually get my hands because of my lack of flexibility as an old motherfucker, onto the bar, so I have the bar behind me on a normal barbell. Uh, but if I could, I would never use that pad. I want a, a, the bar to be anchored to my body. So, for example, bodybuilding, the emphasis can be where the bar sits on top of the traps, but I still, guys, I want you to pull down tight on the bar, if you do that, as opposed to the front squat that Steve's talking about. 
so that the bar is anchored into position and you can concentrate on working your quads. If you're a strength athlete or a powerlifter, the bar should be at the bottom of your traps, almost resting on the rear delts, Steve, at that lower groove. Now, that's harder for flexibility reasons, but it changes the centre of gravity, and that means you're sitting more upright, like Steve's talking about, again, rather than leaning too far forward. I'm not a fan of it, but if you have that really bad Achilles tendon flexibility, put a very small piece of wood. I'd actually use one and a quarter kilo, one, two and a half pound plate, Steve, so you're only lifting your feet up about an inch, or as I said, those boots that I talked about earlier on, and that should get you there. I also agree with Steve. I squat down to, when I am actually doing the, the variation I'm about to talk about, I squat to a bench. Why? Because it means I'm making height. Now, that should be, for me, parallel, there or thereabouts. Every single downtime, as soon as my butt, my ass, hits the bench, touches the bench, it doesn't, I'm not going to smash into the bench, gently touches the bench, I know I've made height. And typically for me, it's the very, very tops of my fires or my butt touching the bench. Now, quick variations, and I do these because I can't do a barbell squat for the reasons I've already mentioned. I do something called the hatful squat, which is a safety squat bar, which sits like a yoke. You don't even have to hold it if you want, don't want to. You can do that version. And then I chuck, pull myself up as well as squat. That means I'm much more upright and much more likely to um, hit the quads, make depth, etc. Last one, I'll do a couple of other ones, which is the squat thrush, power squat type machine. Enormous weights on that one, Steve, and also the lever squat, which a couple of the members on the forum. Very quickly, because we're running out of time, guys, deadlift. I refer to Eddie Hall, strength athlete, world's strongest man, 2017. And he, him and others that are very, very good at the deadlift, they call, they call it leg pressing into the floor. Now, it's one of the few times I'd have you take your shoes off in the gym or use those very thin Kung Fu style slippers so your feet are flat on the floor. You don't want an elevated heel. And they do conventional, which is hands on the outside of the thighs and leg press. So the, the, up, the body stays upright and you push your feet into the floor rather than pull from the floor, which is what you'd expect us to do. On that one, Steve, as we're running out of time, I see enormous amount of both bodybuilders and power athletes, strength athletes, stop lifting from blocks, guys. Stop lifting, doing rack pulls. Rack pulls and blocks are fine if they are a part of your training through the year. But there's a big percentage of you that are doing these all the time. Rack pulls, which is where it's probably a little bit below your knee, should be, if you're a bodybuilder, working your lower back to get that Christmas tree vibe going on. But if we're taking a deadlift as an overall body exercise, it should be done from the floor. And there's an enormous amount of you that can lift big weights. I've done this from an elevated position and then can't lift half that weight from the floor. Get good at picking shit up off the floor. It's what we do in real life out in the real world versus pick, picking up from blocks, picking up from racks and making that your go-to all the time. By all means, do it for three months of the year. Use a deadlift variation. Use a trap bar variation. Use a deadlift machine in a gym. But at some point, you should be doing three months of each of those things. So you're rotating through those through the years that so you don't get tired or overworked on the movement. And at the same time, when real life happens, it's not going to be in the high thing. It's going to be on the goddamn floor. The deadlift should be the most basic pick shit up and stand up with the exercise you've ever done. We learn to do it, hamstrings, Glutes, lower back, calves, grip, 
you're not using straps, should be the most brutal, nasty, horrible, can't fuck it up lift. So the, those of you that are breaking it down into partial movements, using pads, using blocks, lifting in the rack, you're taking something away from the movement. And again, bodybuilding versus deadlifting, sorry, uh, strength, strength training. It means stuff like stiff leg deadlifts, learning to contract your hamstrings, unlocking your knees a little bit, and literally flex on your hamstrings as you stand up. If it's for your lower back, which is the rack pull variation, learn to contract that muscle. You don't actually need to lift huge weights, but do it from the floor so you stay flexible and able to touch your toes and pick you up. If it, you know, if the wife falls over in the house, Steve, <laughs> it's no good trying to drag her over to a chair or a table and cut her half lifting off the floor so you can pick her up. No, 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 no. You're going to have to pick her up on the ground. One of your kids has an accident. Same thing. Real life shit. Stuff that involves... Don't be super, super strong from your knee and then struggle to get down to your shoelaces, guys. Be strong from the floor. And then that variations on a thing through the year is going to get you big, strong, and nasty. There's other stuff we could talk yeah. about, and I know some of the I'll listeners- say this um, yeah, really quick. You know, we'll definitely do more episodes. A lot of gyms, yeah. I know in the U.S., I don't know if it's the same way in Britain, they've banned people from doing deadlifts. Why? Because people, again, oh, bang, I said last bang in and they the do way too much weight and they slam the weights down. It's all about yeah. control, not just on yeah. the way up, but on the way down. And if you can't control that thing on the way down, then you got no business lifting it. So there is such a thing as working both sides of your leg muscles. And we do have leg muscles in the upper legs and lower legs that go all the way around. So if you just do the deadlifts on the way up, you bring it up and then you just drop the weight. That's yeah. not correct form. Yes, I no, understand no. when you're competing, that is what you want to do. But guess what? When you're training and when you are trying to do it correctly and engage the muscle and work the muscle, including your hamstrings and your quads equally and the sides of your legs too, then that's not the correct way to do it. So again, it's not about how much weight you do. I am so, and I don't know yes. if you're the same way, Monster, I am so unimpressed when I'm in the gym and I see some dude doing four, five, six plates on deadlift. And they freaking have horrible form. Their spine looks like a question mark. And then they slam the weight down. Not impressed. You know what impresses me? I actually saw this the other day. It was a younger kid in his early 20s. He had like two plates on there. And his form, both on the squats and the deadlift, was excellent. So I could tell mm. that this kid probably was in college as a competitor. And he had a coach that taught him proper technique. That impressed me more yeah. than the dude I saw two weeks ago doing five, six plates and slamming it down. I, that's all I'll say on it. So think about let that. Me, let me finish on that one. I think we'll Dorian Yates, someone actually did, did an interview very quickly with Dorian Yates recently, Steve, and uh, they were asking him what his maximum lift were with certain exercises. He said, I don't know. I never did a maximum lift. I was always doing all the numbers you've ever seen me do and the numbers I can quote you now are for reps. And he said, I think there's a the classic line in Blood and Guts where he says it's a good weight for an old woman when he's talking about rows or deadlifts. Uh, I think it was rows, and he was doing like four 450 pounds, but he was repping it, and he was pulling it in, and he was contracting his lats, and he was doing it that way. So deadlifts, for example, against Steve, that constant tension, that touch-and-go style of lifting where you literally let the weights just touch the floor and then pull back up again, the muscles will be under tension the whole goddamn time. You could do more with two and a half plates aside, doing that style with the perfect technique that Steve's talked about, 
And even if you need to put a pair of straps on so your grip's not fatigued and just work your hamstrings and just work your lower back, then jerk in and slide in the hitching four plates and then throwing the weight to the floor afterwards so that everybody can see you doing four plates. Trust me on this, guys. If you're getting for a bodybuilding purposes, you do not need to be doing five, six, seven hundred pounds. It's nice if you can, because it's a good place to work from. But if you can learn to keep the muscle tension there, the way that we're talking about, it's much, much better workout. Guys, we want you to improve. We're going to do some more podcasts on training in the near future and throw out some other ideas. For some reason, it's perfect. People ain't doing enough of this stuff, Steve. So it's become a little bit more popular. It's hard to do this stuff verbally, guys. But by all means, go online, check out the stuff, come on the forums. We'll direct you to places if need be to show you how this stuff's done. We'll even get some of the members to put up some pictures of the form if we possibly can because you know, people seem to need to be reminded of these things. And I know buddies of mine that train badly, and I've done it myself in the past, and we learn oh too quickly, Steve, how a, it's not simulating the muscle, or B, we get injured. We don't want it to happen to you guys. We want you to be successful, big, muscular, strong, ripped, and everything else. Please note, we are not doctors and your opinions are ours. It is our view and based on our experience and views on the topic, a podcast of informational purposes and entertainment only, and the freedom of speech and the First Amendment apply.